these films to me are important because we're in a we're in a dearth, especially you know the, these last two years. We have been in a we're in a collective grief, and I think cinema has the opportunity to show shine light and shine hope and share hope. Welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America. Today's episode takes us behind the scenes of director Theodore Melfi's new comedic drama, The Starling. In the film, a feisty starling sets up a nest at the home of Lily, who is grieving a recent loss. As she battles with and attempts to rid her home of the combative bird, Lily rediscovers her capacity for growth and love. In addition to The Starling, Mr. Melfi's other directorial credits include the feature films Hidden Figures, St. Vincent, and Winding Roads. Following a recent screening of the film at the DGA Theater in Los Angeles, Mr. Melfi spoke with fellow director David Talbert about filming The Starling. Listen on for their spoiler-filled conversation. How's everybody doing? You enjoyed the movie? All right. Good, good, good. So, let me see. Feeling, heart, second chances, um, humanity, pain, triumph over pain. What the hell are you doing, Ted? <laughs> I mean, you, you're supposed to be blowing shit up. You're supposed to be saving the world, movies that save the world, and, and they blow shit up and all that stuff. But you want to go against the grain and do a movie that clearly Hollywood isn't making anymore. Huh. And clearly the critics, my God, they just have torched this. But they're really <laughs> not saying they don't love your movie. Really what they're saying, Ted, it's like the, the Prince movie, uh, the, the Prince album, 1999, at the end of Purple Rain, you, you play it backwards, it's giving you a message. You all know that? Have any of you done that? They're not saying they don't like your movie. They're saying, Blow shit up, Ted. <laughs> That's what we're saying. They're not going to give you any love unless you do that. What do you, what do you say about what Hollywood seems to be saying they want? That's a tough question. Well, look, I, I think um, I think you got to put it in two boxes. Like I, I wouldn't put critics in the same box as Hollywood. I mean, to me, Hollywood wants these. I, I mean, that's all you hear from from studios. Is I want. Family friendly, hopeful, happy, inspirational movies. They're not saying, you know, the, crit the critics have always wanted uh, or always been more attracted to darker stuff and, and um, stuff that's, in my estimation, quite hopeless. Uh, and that's just not something I know how to do. So Why are you I so hopeful? <laughs> I don't know. What the hell is wrong with you? I think I'm, I, you know, look, like, I mean, at the time I made the movie, I was going through, you know, to be honest with total strangers, but I was going through a tough time with my wife, you know, and the movie just spoke to me. Like, I wanted my own marriage to work out, you know, after 25 years. So, you know, so I think to myself as a filmmaker, a lot, a lot, a lot of times I look at filmmaking as a responsibility. Maybe that's the wrong way to look at it, but that's how I look at it. Like the messages we leave out there in the world are important. Mm -hmm. They're important to me. Mm -hmm. um, they're important for our kids. And I want to leave hopeful messages. So I can't, you know, if that's not sexy, I'm not sexy. Well, I watched your film last, a uh, couple nights ago with my mother-in-law. 
which it says two things about me. <laughs> it says two things about me. <laughs> you watch what a movie with your mother-in-law. I, I yeah. like my mother-in-law. That's a good thing. And you know how your movie made me feel, Ted? That's why I wore this jacket. That's how your movie made me feel. <laughs> it was a burst of sunshine. And my estimation seems to be clouded endeavors and trauma and sadness uh, for the sake of sadness and trauma, but to, as, as we all want to gravitate towards something that is hopeful, something that uh, we can wake up in the morning. Tracy Morgan told me on my first film, uh, that cinematic tour de force, you did see that. Yeah, it's the only thing that got lower uh, Rotten Tomato scores than you um, on this one. It, it, got, it got a whopping eight. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes. So. Yes. And my mother, she became a critic just for that. So, I mean, you're supposed to at least get <laughs> 10 points in one critic. But, but anyway, he says, you know, D, you know what success is, D? Having something to look forward to. That's what Tracy Morgan told yeah. me. And it seems like that's what you want to put out in the world. huh? I guess that's all I know. I mean, I guess that's all I am attracted to. Like, I, I mean, I don't know anyone. I don't know if you guys know anyone, but I don't know anyone who wakes up in the morning and says, I don't want to have a happy ending. Like, I want to be sad and miserable and not figure out my life or my wife or my marriage or my kids or my family. I just want to not figure out anything. I don't know how to do that. That doesn't inspire me. And I don't think that's what people ultimately want to see. So, um, you know, look, I, 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 I try to be in service. I try to stay in service to um, my work, like, and not take over my work, right? Not become, you know, many people have a style and a, and a way of being, and they, you can always tell a certain movie. You can always tell a Michael Bay movie it's signatured, and, and that, that's great. For, that's what he does, right? But I'm in, sir, I, I like to make, remain in service, in service to the script, in service to the actors, in service to the story I'm telling and try to get out of the way. And I read the script and I said, this is a story, essentially, this story is about a couple figuring out how to move forward, how to find hope again, how to, how to, have a, how to kiss each other again, you know? And I think that's a message that people need to hear and I think it's a hopeful message and that's, you know, that's, that's I'm glad I made it, I'm happy I made it and I'm very proud of the film. You're a bit of a unicorn. Ted Melfi, I'm going to tell you the uh, description of your of your movies. Okay, these aren't movies you should be making that anyone should be making in Hollywood. Uh, Here's one. St. Vincent, a young boy whose parents have just divorced, finds an unlikely friend and mentor in the misanthropic body, hedonistic war veteran who lives next door. St. Vincent, how dare they give you a Golden Globe nomination (laughs) for that movie, you bastard. The second one you followed up with, Hidden Figures, the story of a team of female African-American mathematicians who served a vital role in Nassau during the early years of the U.S. What? Black women who put (laughs) white men in space? You're going to make a movie about that. How dare you? The Academy fell asleep at the wheel on that, and they gave you two Oscar nominations for that one, Ted Melfi. So you said that wasn't enough, huh? You said you're going to go back to it again, the starling. And here we are. After Lily suffers a loss, a combative starling takes nest besides her quiet home. The feisty bird taunts and attacks the grief-stricken Lily. On her journey to expel the starling, she rediscovers her will to live 
and capacity for love. Oh. Still sounds pretty corny. <laughs> then no, I mean, you know, look. You want to heal the world. You want to change the world. Uh, I think I'm just doing what I, what I, I mean, I, I, the movies I love are, I love Terms of Endearment. You know, I love As Good As It Gets. I love It's a Wonderful Life. Can you imagine if you made this wonderful life now, the torture you'd get? You, he, the angel saved him? Oh, my God. He, his family uh, and the town shows up and, and helps him? A, a funny I mean, thing, you know. Can, can you imagine what the cynical, the, it's, like, it's like we have become, in my estimation, so mean-spirited and cynical and negative for no particular reason. And it starts, uh, it starts with, it kind of, it kind of got birthed during, it, this is my opinion, obviously, although I'm the one speaking, but it kind of got birthed during social media. When you could tell someone to go fuck yourself from your desk, right? Well, I grew up in a time when you couldn't tell someone to go fuck yourself from your desk. Yeah, but you're Italian, too. Right, but I you, mean, you have to say you, it to their face. And that's you have to, what you Italians do. And you have to deal with it. But nowadays, you know, you, you, can, you can hide behind your computer and spew any nastiness you want. I mean, have you guys been on Twitter and just, just read what people say to other human beings? It's so offensive to me. And I don't do any of it. I got off all that stuff years ago, and I, don't, I just don't subscribe to it. I don't let my daughter subscribe to it. It's hard. It's hard because it's the way of the world. But I, I, in my estimation, I don't know one good thing that's come out of it, except negativity and bile and, and hopelessness. You know? So, so those are the movies. I, th these, these films, to me, are important. They're, they're, they're important because we're in, a, we're in a dearth, especially you know, the, these last two years. We have been in a, we're in a collective, collective grief. The world is in a collective grief. In the making of this movie, our visual effects supervisor passed away of COVID. My mom passed away. Everything happened in this movie. The whole world has experienced those losses. And we're in a collective grief. And, and I think cinema has the opportunity to, to show light, shine light and shine hope and share hope. And so I make no apologies for who I am or what I do. It, it doesn't matter. I remember a time where the family would sit behind the tel sit by the television and we would watch a, a movie and experience it together as a family. We would feel something, we would share, we would talk about it, and we would leave out of there uh, feeling like uh, there was a, a ray of hope, a bright light, something to look forward to. And this movie, when it first started, I said, oh, oh. Oh, it's gonna it's gonna let me just live in a moment. It's gonna let me let me take it in. It's not rushing to get there. It's stillness. It's warm. It's wonderful. It's composition and frames and it's and and the bird and the special effects and one of my favorite characters. I know you think it's <laughs> Melissa McCarthy, but it's that dog. I mean, Ted, when you cast that dog and he was humping on the, did you was that a natural instincts of that dog, Ted, or did you have no, to the teach dog the had, dog? The dog had a little training, but the dog was very smart. Like, you know, did you show the dog those skills? If so, no, I have no. I have a lot of respect for you, Ted, because those were some moves that I, no. I, I need to. No, no, we had we had great people. I mean, you know, we shot the film in Los Angeles. And so the benefit of shooting in Los Angeles, which is very, it's very sad that we don't shoot in Los Angeles. Um, for some reason, the entertainment capital of the world has consistently kicked us out of here. Like 
or not supported us in the sense where we're, we're now in Georgia and Vancouver and those places are great, right? That's fine. But because we shot here, we were able to get all kinds of things, all kinds of the, the best crews in the world, the best cast in the world, the best technicians of the world. They live in Los Angeles. Um, that's where they are. You know, Timothy Oliphant shows up because he's a friend for four days. He's not coming. He's not going to do that outside of Los Angeles. And, and Laura Harrier showed up and Rosalind Chow showed up. But Did the cast dig- you're able to get yeah. in your films, how do you, for a small budgeted film that doesn't uh, have the trappings of the, the big kind of uh, uh, set pieces and everything, Melissa McCarthy, you're able to get some of the most amazing uh, touching and vulnerable and transparent performances out of her. How do you, how do you get the, this cast to buy into your vision? You know, it starts with the script. I, I, this script was uh, a very, this was an older script. Matt Harris had written, this is the first film I did that I didn't write the script, which, uh, um, which was a, a unique thing for me. It was, a, it was a challenging for me at times. But I love this script so much, and I love what the message was, and I love what it was saying. And this script was, you know, well known around town, and and it was a beloved script. I, I believe it was number one on the blacklist back in the day, and uh, everyone loved this script. So it really boiled down to the script. Melissa read the, the the roles in the movie were originally switched. I don't know if you know this, but Melissa was Chris, and Chris was Melissa, right? Lily's character was the one who had the mental timeout and went to a facility to deal with her life. And Jack was a strong man, typical strong man that stayed home and held down the fort. And I, I just, I, that, that's all I did to the script. I, I said, that's a cliche that I've seen that a million times. My, I was raised by but women aren't strong. I mean, why should they be the one to do that? Ted? <laughs> I mean, right. come on, Ted. That's right. I mean, what are you saying? Well, I'm, you know, look, I was raised by a single mom. I've been married 25 years. I have two daughters at, at any given day. Those, those women are way smarter and better and healthier than I am any day any day. So that's my truth. And so we switched. And, and, and mine. <laughs> and mine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, look, it's, it's, it's ridiculous that, it, I mean, women aren't shooting up the world. Let's just say that. Okay. Um, so Melissa, so when you called her, you, you told her you were going to switch these roles and she said, you said, uh, read the script. And she says, I'm in. Well, and I gave her, I gave her the script when it was a man. Right, right. You said you're going to switch yeah. it, and she says, I'm in. And you said, no, 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 take the script, and if you want, you know, take it on. She says, I'm in. Yeah. And then you said, no, I want you to read the script. Yeah. And so she reads the script, and she calls you and said, I'm telling you the same damn thing I told you twice. I'm in. Yeah. How did that make you feel? Uh, well, she's like, she's, she's like my cousin in a way, or a sister in a way. I mean, I, I, we've been trying to work together so many times over the course of the years since St. Vincent, and... We've just become family, and I have such deep respect for her. I, 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 you know, she started in drama. People don't know this about Melissa McCarthy, but she started in drama. She did a bunch of theater in drama, so she was first a dramatic actor. And then she went to the Groundlings and kind of, you know, it really happened for her. Um, but she's first and foremost a dramatic actor, and, and I believe, my, my opinion of comedic actors is they're the best actors in the world. And, and if you can get them in a dramatic role, it just, it just, it, it, it doesn't have the the thickness to it or the, the pretension to it. They're just people and they just know how to make you laugh and cry. I mean, I think Chris O'Dowd's brilliant. I don't think people understand how great Chris O'Dowd is. I saw him on a Mice and Men on Broadway and I was, I was in tears. The whole audience was in I, tears I, I agree. watching Chris O'Dowd. And I said, no one knows how great Chris O'Dowd is, right? And Kevin Klein. I mean, to have Kevin Klein on set is like, I've grown up on Kevin Klein. Like, I love, everything he does is just so spot on. 
Um, but really it boiled down to the script. Everyone loved the script. Everyone loved the story. And they just want, you know, it goes back to what I'm saying earlier. Actors are the same as us. They want to do good. They want to do something good. They want to leave something good behind. In a hundred years from now, we're not going to be, we're not going to be talking about all the spandex movies. We're just not. I mean, they're, they're great and they have their place, but we're not going to be talking about Spider-Man 1, 2, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. We're not going to be doing that. We're still going to be talking about It's a Wonderful Life. That's what we're going to be talking about. We're still going to be talking about Terms of Redemption. We're still going to be quoting those movies. We're still going to be showing those movies to our children. I recently showed my 14-year-old daughter the entire collection of John Hughes, and she was like, holy. I mean, that's cinema for me. Mm-hmm. I go back and show my son all the old old movies, and uh, he falls in love with them all over again. Yeah. So you are one of, uh, if not the most brilliant writer that I know, oh, Ted. You're my I'll great friend. Okay. You're a brilliant writer. I'm going to take a couple of coffee. That is the truth. That's yeah. the truth. That's the truth. Why, why not be selfish like me and only do the things you write? I mean, and here, here you go. You want to, and this is who you are. You produce films by uh, other writers that, that, that you don't write. Uh, how do you balance as a storyteller, as an auteur, this uh, to see the beauty in someone else's work and say, I'm going to put my, you know, my 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 artistic brushstroke and bring it to life. How do you balance that versus scripts that you have of your own that are waiting there? Well, I mean, the the, the honest, practical answer is you, you can't you can't do it all. And I, I, I spend a lot of time writing for other people and, and assignments. You know, you got to make a living and you got to you got to pay the bills. And I do Starling. I made scale, you know, like you just, you just do what you love. And and writing is my first love. And I read the script and I finally said to myself, this is something that I, I would have loved to have written. I would have loved to have written that script. It touched me so much. I thought I would have loved to have written a script like that. Um, And I hadn't had that feeling in a long time. So that's why I did it. I just was touched by it. And probably, you know, it boils down to also what I was going through my personal life. As I said earlier, it just hit me. It, it just hit me. The idea of a starling is a rare bird in the sense that it takes two to build that nest. Yeah. Starlings are life mate. They, they are mates for life. Um, they're, they're souls. They're pests. Uh, they destroy crops. They're, they're, and yet they're just elegant and beautiful. I mean, as Kevin Klein says in the movie, Mozart had a starling. And he, the beloved starling, and he wrote a concerto based on that starling's tweet. Uh, and that starling died. He had a funeral for the starling. I mean, they're just brilliant, brilliant animals, and yet they're they can be very nasty. Mm-hmm. So it was a great thing to me. The starling in the movie is like, you know, everyone's processing grief in the same way. It, it, I'm sorry, everyone's profit, profit, processing their grief in a different way in the film. Chris O'Dowd's obviously doing more of a time out for himself because he can't figure out how to process, how to be in the real world at the moment. But Melissa is doing what a lot of us do and what I do a lot. She just barrels through, like as if she can outrun it, right? So I spend a lot of time trying to outrun my pain and outrun my sadness. And then something shows up that just stops you, and that's the starling. It just, it just pecks her, right? And she's like, oh. And it just keeps pecking her. It keeps pecking her and pecking her. Maybe it's like a guardian angel type thing or some esoteric idea like that, but it keeps pecking her until she stops and is forced to deal with herself. That analogy in the script was so strong to me. I, I just, I, I really love that part of the script. What's pecking at you? I get pecked at by everything. Um, I'm in a constant state of pecking. <laughs> my wife is my litmus. You know, my wife is my 
my guide. My faith is my guide. Um, you know, the thing is, in order to get pecked, you got to listen and you got to, <laughs> you got to listen. <laughs> um, so I've been pecked my whole life and I've only listened a few times, but you try to get better. You try to get better. I, you know, I have a degree in psychology. Um, I've been in therapy for 20 something years. So I, I just started. You, you're, you're, it's trans. It's trans. You, you got a lot of catching up to do. Though. I didn't know I was. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I didn't know I was. Uh, but but it's it, you know it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Therapy is a beautiful thing, and it's it's so necessary. And this country really doesn't get how big of a mental health crisis we have. Not really. I mean, governmentally, not at all. I don't think not at all. Um, but we're in a mental health crisis, and that's been proven by the numbers uh, since COVID, the amount of suicide and depression and anxiety and our kids are struggling and no one's really touching about talking about it in a real way and no one's really dealing about it in a real way. And um, it's, 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 it's sad. It's to me, it's very sad and it's unfortunate. Um, and something needs to be done on a real level. I mean, when 70% of our homeless population in Los Angeles is mentally ill, I mean, when are we going to look at that? I thought in those scenes there in the Starling there, especially, uh, you know, Loretta Devine's performances, you know, she's, 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 she's the best. I thought that was very skillfully done and very, it, it had a lot of humanity in it. I, I have some questions, some business questions for you, Ted. So you, 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 you popped the box office. Clearly your, your last film was, you know, it, it did, you know, double, triple, quadruple, you know, whatever the budget was. Uh, so here you're on a streamer, hmm. and how does that feel, box office versus streaming? And tell me about the godsend that Netflix is <laughs> for films like this. Well, what's beautiful about Netflix for me is that a lot of these films that no longer have a place in the, in the marketplace have a place. Like, I, I don't know if you can make Marriage Story. Like, I don't know if you can make the Starling. Uh, I don't know. Like, you know, the studios now are making eight movies a year. You know, they used to make 18 or 20. They're down to eight. And everything, if you look at the slate, I mean, I'm sure you guys all look at the slate. You're like, what is that slate? <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. It's sequels and remakes and, and superheroes and movies that, that the plan is to make a billion dollars. So Netflix is a, is a saving grace. Netflix, Hulu. Amazon, and now all the you know Paramount Pluses. These guys need product. They need they need product, and they need films, and they can't all make hundred million dollar films. So it's, I think it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I think it's say I personally think they're saving independent film. Mm -hmm. So, and and the, and now that the the independent film, the, the, you don't have the pressure of the box office for the independent film, which is what really killed the independent film. Right? They couldn't perform against a Marvel movie. They couldn't perform against a Marvel movie. Mm -hmm. So they got and got pushed out, kept getting pushed out. Now they're they're there, and it's it's it's. I think it's a beautiful thing, and I'm very proud and thankful for all the streaming. I've been on that uh, that uh, roller coaster ride on Thursday night. The studio says they love your movie, and it's testing really well. And the in the you know everybody says it's going to do well. And then that Friday morning, <laughs> and you wake up, and it's like oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. oh. And yeah. your dirty dog agents aren't calling you back, <laughs> you know, your management, you know, you're only the call from your mother, baby. <laughs> I just want you to know 
Mama loves you. God loves you. And we at the church, we raise an offering for you, baby. And and that's what happens. Yep. And they rent the theater for you. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. So so this is the new order. Is this, are you yearning to get, uh, is this where you're going to live? Are you going to, to have a hybrid existence? Where, where, where I think I'm going, going to have the here? same existence as every other person making a movie. Mm-hmm. Your, your, your movie is going to go where it's supposed to go. Like your movie is going to be on screens if it's supposed to be on screens and it's going to be on the small screen if it's supposed to be on the small screen. Um, so I, I, I don't have any judgment upon it. I love, I, I personally am in love with the theater experience. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like all of us together, especially after what, what we've been going through to just be together and to smell your neighbor's popcorn and laugh with them and cry with them. That, that to me is part of what makes cinema so beautiful and part of what we need as a society because we're all so separated and the, the divisive like that that's one place where you can just be together got some one word uh descriptions i want you to give me mm-hmm. okay one word and first melissa mccarthy genius chris o'dowd can i use the same word twice no profound uh kevin klein King. Timothy Oliphant. Is badass hyphenated word? Is that one? Yeah, you can say that. Badass. Kimberly Quinn. Love. Loretta Devine. The Queen. Queen. Peter. Peter. The, the bird is named. The bird? Doesn't have a name. Well, I just gave it a name. Oh, Peter. <laughs> Peter the bird. Uh, Paul. Ted Melfi. It's like inside the actor's studio. I thought this was DGA. Working on it. That's three words. That's that's why I'm working on it. (laughs) Ted, I thank you for putting a bit of love out into the world, a bit of humanity out of the world, out in the world that gives us a moment of pause, a moment to do something uh, different for a change, uh, a moment to feel something and to give a little bit of ourselves back. Thank you. Uh, You know, I've gotten dozens and dozens of emails from people all over the country saying, you know, Melissa McCarthy was on Colbert the other night and she went backstage after the interview and the producer was there, a woman, and she just, like hugged her and she said, I, I, I just want to, you know, I saw the movie and I cried and cried and cried. And I, the minute the movie was over, I called my husband and I just said, I just want you to know I love you. And that's like, that to me is worth everything. Mission accomplished young man. Thank you. The starling Ted Melfi. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another DGA Q&A. If you'd like to hear more, The Director's Cut is available wherever you listen to podcasts. And please share, subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear your feedback, and you can help fellow film buffs find the show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America.